Well, we certainly uh, thank everybody for their attendance uh, here again this morning, their attention most importantly. As we, uh, as we turn our attention to the Word of God, uh, and we, uh, we'll take for our reading this morning, we'll take our reading this morning, I guess I should say, out of the ninth chapter of the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 9. And, uh, and we're going to take, uh, we're going to start out in the 10th verse. And, uh, and in this 10th verse, Christ is a, uh, is a guest, uh, in the house. And, uh, and we're going to, he's going to have an interaction. Uh, and, uh, it says, And when it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am come to call the righteous, call, I am not come, sorry, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast off, but thy disciples fast not? Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bridegroom, or the bride chamber, mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then they shall fast. No man putteth a piece of new cloth unto an old garment, for that which is put in to for that which is put in to fill it to fill it up. I cannot. I can't read this morning. That which is put in to fill it up taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. And uh, and that's our uh, that's our scripture reading for this morning. And. Uh, uh, and I'd like to take for a title, I, I guess, uh, if, uh, if I would have to uh, take a title this morning, it would be the law versus the gospel. The law versus the gospel. And, uh, and now we read here where Jesus has entered into, and this sounds more like a cafeteria to me than anything else, but it's obviously a, 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 a place where uh, many of them would go to eat. And uh, and so that's where he uh, he is at, and uh, and he sat down in the in the in, to, to at meat, which means he sat down to eat in the house, and and he, and he has permitted publicans and sinners to come and sit down with him. Now this is something that culturally speaking, this would have made Jesus at odds with the Pharisees. Right and in uh, the scribes, uh, especially the Pharisees and the scribes, but but it, it says the Pharisees here. Uh, and this would have put him at odds with them because this is something that they would never do. If we recall at the at the crucifixion of Christ, uh, the the Pharisee 
Pharisees uh, and they of the Sanhedrin, which went to Pilate uh, uh, to to lobby for Jesus' crucifixion, they wouldn't even enter into the building, would they, that Pilate was in because the Sabbath was drawing on and if they did that, then they would be unclean uh, and they wouldn't be able to partake in it. And, and so they wouldn't even enter into the house. Uh, you also see this uh, when Peter goes to see Cornelius. This is in the, in the book of Acts. When Peter goes to see Cornelius uh, and he says, you know that it's not lawful for me, which is a Jew, to enter into thine house with you being a Gentile. This is not something that they did. Uh, but here he is. He's sat down with publicans and publicans as tax collectors. And really, I mean, who wants to sit down and eat with tax collectors, right? Um, they, they, uh, it's like it's not like you're going to marry an accountant. <laughs> Everybody here knows I'm married to an accountant, so <laughs> that's why you marry an accountant, so you don't have to do your own taxes. But <laughs> no, that's not why you do it. Um, just kidding. But that's what their job was. The reason for this is, is the Jews did not like them. They did not like the publicans because they didn't believe that they were obligated to pay any tax uh, to the Romans who were who they viewed as occupiers of Judea. And, and so they didn't think that they were dutifully bound, duty bound. Uh, and we see that come into play uh, a little later when they tempt Jesus, when they come to him and they ask, ask him if it was lawful for them to pay tribute to Caesar and that's another way of just saying is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar and Jesus says give me a coin and he says whose superscription is this in other words he's looking at the coin he's saying whose face is on this coin and they said it's Caesar's and he says this he says render unto God that which is God and unto Caesar that which is Caesar's because by using his money you are attesting to the fact that he's your Lord. And, and so, yes, you're going to pay tribute to him. So that's one of the reasons why they, they viewed publicans in such a bad light. The other one was sinners. That one's fairly obvious. Uh, and so probably Gentiles, but we, I'm not going to go there. But sinners, people that were unclean. Uh, it says, but then Jesus, when he heard them, he makes this statement. He says, they that uh, be whole, in other words, those that are perfectly Fine in their own right, in their own view. This is the, where we're talking about the contrast between the law and the gospel, isn't it? They that be righteous in their own sight, right? This is what it's going to talk about. They that be whole need not a physician. If you're not sick, you don't need to go to the doctor, do you? Except over the last year, maybe. <laughs> but... <laughs> But but if they're not if you're not sick you don't go to a doctor. So Jesus is 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 identifying himself here as a physician. And we know Jesus, he's not just a physician, he is the physician, he's the great physician. And so here he says, but they that are sick, they need to go and see the physician because they've got illness and ailments that need to be cured. Remember, he sat down with publicans and sinners. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that they had an outward sickness, but I'll tell you what they did have is they had an inward sickness, didn't they? 
They had an inward sickness. They had a sin sickness. And the only person in the world that has ever existed that could cure a sin sickness is Jesus Christ. Because He has existed since before the foundation of the world. And a matter of fact, He created all things. Uh, and so Jesus is the only one who could cure that sin sickness. Now what's, it, what's ironic here is what happens so many times when he's having a discourse with the Pharisees and if we think back to John chapter 3 when Nicodemus goes to see Jesus by cover of night because he being a Pharisee he didn't want to be seen going to Jesus in daytime. He wanted the cover of night to be able to go and ask Jesus his question and get an answer from Jesus without having to answer to the rest of the Pharisees, didn't he? And so he goes to him and he asks him the question, but Jesus looks at him and he asks the, answers him with the question that he really wants to know. And, and he looks at him and he says, uh, unless you're born again, you shall not enter into the kingdom of God. And, uh, and this really puzzled Nicodemus. And Nicodemus said, uh, tried to figure this out intellectually. Spiritual things, folks, they surpass all understanding. We want everything to make sense into, in our little brain. Brains, and, and that's just not possible. Uh, I like talking to people, and they like they'll talk about God, uh, and they'll t they'll try to to figure out every every issue in life, everything that's coming down the road. They'll say it's all in Scripture, and I will be like, well, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I, I, the, God has given us enough in Scripture to educate us on how to get back to Him. Remember, He didn't give us every little point and parcel, every little drip of information or knowledge that God had. He didn't write it down in there. And I'm going to give you a really good example of why I don't believe that. And that is because Jesus Himself, the Bible says that if all the miracles that He performed while He was in the world were written down, that the earth couldn't contain the books. He's given us what we need to know. If you're sitting here today and you're thinking, I need to have everything figured out here, then that's going to cause you to miss out uh, on heaven because it's here that God really deals with man. Uh, he deals with man in the heart, uh, not in the head. Uh, the carnal mind is enmity against God is what the Bible teaches us. Uh, and so we look here and he says to the Pharisee, right, He after saying, they that be sick need not a physician, or they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick, he looks at the Pharisees and he says, says, now you go and learn what that means. Now, I think that that would be fairly self-evident, don't you? But he's obviously not talking about a physical sickness here. He's talking about how the Pharisees viewed themselves and how the law and the checkbox, the checkbox religion that comes along with the law, right? 
I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this. And that is that is works of the law. That's works of self-righteousness. And any righteousness that we may have when laid at the feet of Jesus is nothing more than filthy rags. Jesus is going to get into a discourse here and he's going to point out the righteousness which really avails the soul to get a person to heaven versus the vain righteousness that man oftentimes glorifies. The Pharisees loved the law. We would look at the Pharisees today and probably look at them and say they were very, very biblical, very spiritual people, but the truth is is they couldn't be any further away from being spiritual. They couldn't be any further away from being the children of God. Now, after he says that, he's going to quote a verse of Scripture. He's going to quote Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, when he says, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, and that really means the self-righteous, right? I'm not come to call the self-righteous because they don't think they have an issue anyway. Right, The Pharisees never viewed themselves as anyone who needed anything, even from God. And I'm going to point that out here in just a minute. Because in the 14th verse, in the 14th verse, it says, And then came, then came to him the disciples of John. Now what you're really going to see, what the Pharisees really wanted, is they didn't want somebody to come and preach the truth to them. They wanted everyone to agree with them. They wanted confirmation bias. They didn't want to hear the truth. The truth oftentimes, my friend, tears down what we think is right. And I'm going to prove that. I'm going to prove it because in the 14th verse, it's not just the Pharisees that it's pointing to, but it says, Then came to him two groups of people, the disciples of John, right? The disciples of John saying, and now the disciples of John is asking this question. That's John the Baptist, and they're asking this question. Why do we and the Pharisees, So they're lumping themselves together. Why do we and the Pharisees... Now, I believe the disciples of John were saved. But they asked this question. Why do we and the Pharisees fast off? But thy disciples fast not. That's the question, isn't it? Why do why do we fast and the Pharisees fast, but your followers don't fast? And, and this is a real problem, isn't it? Now, if we get over into the book of Luke, uh, we'll read about John the Baptist. Uh, and, uh, and I think John the Baptist himself ran into some issues on this. Uh, if we look in the fifth chapter of Luke, we'll read again where it confirms that the disciples of John, it's asked this, and it says in the 33rd verse of the fifth chapter of John, it says, And they said unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but thine eat and drink? Jesus is going to answer them in a way 
that I think is really going to surprise them. Because over in the seventh chapter of Luke, the disciples, John sends two of his disciples to Christ to ask him a question. And that question was this, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? Are, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Are you the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world? Or is it somebody else that we look for? Jesus answered them this way. Go your way and tell John what things ye have seen and heard how that the blind see and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised to the poor the gospel is preached and blessed is he who shall ever not be offended in me. And then he goes on from there after they have departed and he does a discourse over John and he says, Of man born of woman there has not arisen a greater than John the Baptist, but he which is least in the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God is greater than he. Now we're going to get into why this question is important, I believe. And it's because the Pharisees, they didn't really care about the truth. What they cared about was that you agreed with them. And I think we still see that today, don't we? I think that's the, that's the overriding thing today. Is I don't care if what's right, all I care about is that you agree with me, and I'm going to prove that. And so we look in the 31st verse, and it says, And the Lord said... Whereunto shall I liken the men of this generation? Now let's think about this and go back. When the Pharisees and the Sadducees arrived at the baptism of John, John asked them a question, didn't he? He said, O vipers, who ha O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Right? That wrath on the Jews was poured out in A.D. 70 with the destruction of Jerusalem and Judea by, at the hands of the Romans. Uh, that was God with his fan in his hand purging his threshing floor. Uh, and so we see this. Uh, and so uh, they come to John and ask him. Uh, they were seeking out what he was doing. He rebuked them, didn't he? He rebuked them. I want to go over here just for a second. I want to I want to touch up on the on the on, the, on some more of that. After he said, "Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come?" He said, "This bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance." If you want to stand up today and you want to talk about being saved, I want to tell you something that you need to do, my friend. Is you get her stand up and tell about the time that you had a personal interaction with the Lord. That's not crazy talk, because I, if you get convicted of your sins, it's not because I'm saying that what you're doing is wrong. I'll tell you right now, when I got convicted of my sins, the man that was preaching in the pulpit wasn't even talking about anything that I did, but the, but the Holy Spirit of God let me know down in my, down in my heart. And the bowels are the seat of the heart of man. And that's why when you get those butterflies in your stomach, that's when you know that the Lord's talking to you. Uh, uh, that uh, I knew that I was in opposition with God. 
And so he told the Pharisees that you better, and the Sadducees, to bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. Then he attacked them for the very thing that they boasted the most in, didn't he? He said this, he said, And think not to say within yourselves we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. So you better not take that fleshly circumcision that you put so much faith and trust in to mean anything more than it's a show. Now we go back. We go back over to to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Uh, and he says this, Whereunto shall I liken the men of this generation, and what are they like? And he's going to compare them to a child. Uh, listen to this. Uh, he says, They are likened to children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another and saying, We have piped unto you, and you have not danced, and we have mourned unto you, and you have not wept. For John, the, listen, here's the difference here. For John the Baptist, and I believe this is why John the Baptist and his disciples, they did fast often, they did do all those things exactly the way the Pharisees did. That's why it's important that it gets pointed out that way. This is why, and, and Jesus didn't. Because it pointed out their hypocrisy. Right? Listen to this. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And ye say, he hath a devil. Right? Why would they say he hath a devil? Well, because when they showed up at his baptism, he looked at them and he said, O generation of vipers, who hath warned thee to flee from the wrath to come, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance, and think not to say within ourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And so here we have him saying, and then Jesus is going to go on, and he's going to compare himself now. He says, but the Son of Man, meaning Jesus himself, is come eating and drinking. And ye say about Jesus, behold... A gluttonous man and a wine bibber. That's a drunkard. A friend of publicans and sinners. And so Jesus is pointing out in the very way he came that they don't really care about the truth. They care about you agreeing with them that they are right. And that's why they are rejected. That's why Jesus called their leaven the leaven of hypocrisy, right? The doctrine of hypocrisy. And, and so we get into this, uh, and he, and he again, he's going to go into this, and he asks this question of, can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? No. But it wasn't going to be until the bridegroom was taken away, uh, and the, Jesus is the bridegroom, and my friend, the church is the espoused bride of Christ. There's a lot of people today want to make it national Israel. And I, I tell them this. I tell people this. I seriously mean it. You want to make God polygamous, but God's monogamous. And they say, well, what do you mean? You want to make God have two wives, the church and Israel, but God's only got one wife. And she's a spouse right now. He'll marry her someday, and that's the church. You guys believe that, you, that you're righteous because of what you do, 
And I teach that you're only going to be righteous because of the righteousness of me being applied to a person like a publican and a sinner. There ain't no person on earth that hasn't sinned and come short of the glory of God. He uses this, this parable. Two, these two parables, and we're going to close with these two parables. No man putteth a piece of new cloth. Now that can be rendered unfullered cloth, right? Unto an old garment. Because what it's going to do when you attach it, it's just going to make the tear bigger. And it's just going to tear it more and more. And the analogous and the analogy is the law versus the gospel, right? You can't make those two things go together. You've got to have new cloth for the for the garment. The old garment's got to be, it, it, it's going to be, it's done away with, isn't it? The old garment's destroyed. And we got a new dispensation now. We've got this gospel dispensation that has replaced that old. And, and the problem we have today is people want to go back to the old. And they want to look at the old. And they want to say, but if I'm a child of God, I've got to check off this box. And I've got to check off this box. And I've got to check off this box. And, and the truth of the matter is that well, the only box you really need checked off is, do I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ applied to my life? Do I have the blood applied to my heart, to the doorpost and the lint on my heart? Do I have that? That's what makes a person a Christian. You don't go through a, I'm going to say it like this, you don't go through a conversion process to be a Christian. You convert to Judaism. You convert to Islam. And that means that you take on their works in your life. Christianity sets you free. Jesus said, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free from checking all those boxes. Now, what a lot of people want to do is to show that they're children of God is they want to go and they want to start checking boxes. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles. Right? They don't. They don't put new wine in old bottles. Else the bottles would break and the wine would runneth out and the bottles perish. This is the superseding nature of the gospel in relation to the superseding nature of the gospel in relation to the law. And in this way, you're not going to take the righteousness of Christ and tie it to the works of the law. And say, that's going to save me. You're going to get saved by grace through faith. And not of works, lest any man should boast. That doesn't say we shouldn't work. Because in the tenth verse of that, it says we are created new creatures in Christ Jesus to perform good works. But those works are not added in to help save us. We're saved because of the imputed righteousness of Christ is so much far and away superior to the righteousness which came about by the law that, it's, that it, it just can't contain it. it, it the, the righteousness of Christ won't have a part in it because, like I said, all our righteousness, which... All of our righteousness, which is 
the righteousness attained by the keeping of the law is before God nothing but filthy rags. Now, why do I say that? Now, you may be here and you may be lost and you don't know what's, what, what, what's going on. If, if the Lord's dealing with you, don't worry about anything other than focusing on the Lord. And you got to get that settled between you and the Lord. Nobody else can do it. You can't come up to me. That would be a work. If you were to come up to me and shake, and, and there's some people that say, if you'll come up and shake my hand, then you're saved. Folks, that would be a work. If some people would say, if you'll just take this prayer that we have pre-printed for you and repeat it, then you'll be saved. That's a work. That's doing something to earn salvation. My friend, salvation is of the heart. It is not of the mind. You've got to call out to the Lord from the bottom of your heart. You've got to, you've got to burn every bridge, don't you? that you had that existed before. Every bridge has to be burned. And you know, there's only one bridge that will get you to everlasting life, and that's Jesus Christ. When we stand before the Lord, and the books are opened, and we're judged out of those books, every work that we've done in the flesh, good or bad, we will stand before God, we will give an account of it. And none of those works, good or bad, make our ultimate determination. They determine how what our level of reward is, but it's when the, the book of when it's when the Lamb's book of life is opened. And the people that are written in it, those are the ones that enter into heaven because they have applied to their heart the blood of Christ by the Holy Spirit, they have credited to their account. If we can go back to a, a, an accounting mindset, they have a credit to their account of the righteousness of Jesus Christ and every debt that they have is so outweighed by the righteousness of Jesus Christ that God looks at them and says, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That's our message today. If you know the Lord, praise the Lord that you're His child. If you don't know the Lord, today's a wonderful day to seek the Lord for the salvation of your soul. you gotta, you got to do it. I can't do it for you. Nobody can do it for you. You have to do it. That's our message this morning. We pray that you got a blessing out of it. Brother Williams, if you've got a song.